Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Man, we are excited to be here today to continue through our study. I heard a pastor recently say, uh, as he preaches the word, he says, I don't like to think of myself as the chef. I'm not going into the kitchen, coming up with some new recipe uh, uh, to come out and deliver. But instead, I am the waiter. Uh, Take what has already been created and what already exists and try to get it to the table without messing it up. And so that's what my hope and my goal is to do today is I'm just going to take the word that's already perfect in every way and try to deliver it without messing it up. We're going to be looking at John chapter 15. Do I have any natural athletes in the house today? (sighs) Okay, we have a few. We have a few. We'll name any names, but we have a few natural athletes. I am not a natural athlete. I was not given with the natural ability to be able to do everything excellently. This is is true. This This is fact. But there is one thing that God has gifted me with, undeniably. He has given me the gift of hustle. I mean, I will hustle till I'm dead. I mean, I'm telling you, if I'm on the field, if I'm on a basketball court, I may not shoot the best shot, but I'll be the first down on the other side of the court. I will be intense to 110 degrees. I mean, hustle is definitely something that God has given me. And so whenever I was in high school, anytime I would try out for a basketball team or anything, basketball was the only sport you have in North Carolina. I don't know if you know that or not. I didn't even know that baseball and football really existed until I left North Carolina. But I mean, they're obsessed with basketball. Shout out Tar Heels. Um, and so I, every time I try out for a team, I always had it in my mindset. I can't win it on my shot. I can't win it on the dribble. But I will win it on the hustle. I will outlap everyone in this room. And I will defend like my life depends on it. And so... Uh, whenever I made the basketball team, you know, it was a homeschool team. So yeah, there was, uh, I think everyone made it, uh, shout out to all the homeschoolers. Uh, but this wasn't just any ordinary homeschool team. This was the Guilford Panthers homeschool team. We didn't just play other homeschool teams. Okay. We played the private schools, the public schools. And this team, it was just an incredible season. Uh, Everyone was just pure giants. They had a hint of Nephilim and all of them. I mean, they were just like freaking huge. Like everyone, I was the short one on the team, but like they had, they were six, 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 five. I mean, we were huge. And so these private schools would uh, play us just because they wanted an easy win. And we would show up and they'd be like, what is this? The, the Monstars are coming in. These guys are just like, you know, we come in and we're lay, we're, our layups are 360s. And I, anyways, like, you know, not to brag, I wasn't doing any of this. Again, not a natural athlete. So I wasn't, I wasn't doing this. I was laying it up like, every, you know, like you're supposed to. <clears throat> anyways, I, we, we, uh, we had undefeated seasons. The whole time we were together, everybody that would be, we would win. We got to the championship game and it was the Guilford Panthers versus the Raleigh Hawks. This was our rivalry. This was our nemesis. Uh, we hated this team. 
I'm sure they were good guys, but we hated them. You know how a good nemesis is supposed to be? And, um, and, and you know, can homeschoolers hate other homeschools? I'll say you have to have like the bond. No, no, no. We hated this homeschool team. And we were playing the state championship against Raleigh. And they had one really good player. You know, in basketball, the leading scorer scores between 20 to 30, 40% of the points on the team. And usually the leading scorer is the one that decides whether or not that team wins or not. This is classic. This is, there's stats for this stuff, like Michael Jordan. Without him, you would have no bulls. You know what I'm saying? Championship rings. Or LeBron James. So they had a leading scorer. And my coach pulled me aside. He's like, hey, <clears throat> this guy, you're on him. You have one job. Shut him down. And I was like, done. Y'all know the uh, Paul Bear Bryant quote? Offense sells tickets, defense wins. What a good quote. So I was like, yes, sir. I'll be the ultimate defender. In my mind, I was thinking, I don't care. I know the state championship game and everybody wants, you know, the MVP trophy, all that. I said, I don't care if I get a single point. So long as he doesn't get a point, I'm going to be doing my job. So I was chosen for this to be the defender. And I took that responsibility serious. We did end up winning the state championship <clears throat> uh, that year. I'm not saying it was because of, you know, my defense uh, hustle ability, but <laughs> let's just say we shut them down. <clears throat> Good trash talk is, is, um, is, is a fruit of the righteousness, fruit, fruit of the spirit. <laughs> um, anyways, we're, uh, if you look in John chapter 15, we're continuing final words. We're going to be looking at a, a final discourse between Jesus and his disciples. And here he says, just as the coach said to me, you were chosen for this one thing. Now go and do this one thing. We have here in John chapter 15, uh, 16, we have that you, everyone in this room that say that you're a follower of Jesus, you were chosen for something. Now, what is that one thing? John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask in the father in my name, he will give you. I chose you for this. You have been chosen for this. I have chose you. I have appointed you to do what? To go and produce fruit. To not only produce the fruit, but to produce fruit that would ultimately last. This is, in other words, Jesus saying that I have an expectation for those that call themselves followers of Jesus. And the expectation is that you go and you produce fruit and that it would be fruit that would remain, fruit that would last. I have chosen you for this. If you would go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 15. We're going to be reading this uh, first part of John chapter 15. We don't have time to unpack all of it, but let's try to get through these first 11 verses together. John 15, 1. And we're going to be looking through verse 11. Let's read this together. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. 
They gather them, throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So we see some themes. Isn't that an amazing passage? This is one of my favorite passages. This is kind of referred to often as the abide passage. When you think of like, you know, when people say like, are you, are you abiding? And you're like, no one's ever asked me that. Well, maybe, you know, hang around. Are you abiding in Christ? Man, I've been just abiding in Christ. Well, what does that mean? This is the passage that we're speaking of. The abiding, or as this translation says, the remaining in Christ produces much fruit. Does not only produce fruit in your life, but it results in your joy being made complete. How many would say like, yes, I need more joy in my life? Shout out. We would all need a little bit more joy in our life. This is the passage that we're going to unpack together to see how the joy of the Lord may be full in your life and may be found complete. So to give a little bit of the background, this is again, one of Jesus' final discourse. We, we talked about the upper room discourse last week and we examined uh, chapter 14, but then at the end, we see that Jesus is actually, he ushered them out of the upper room and he's on his way to the garden and he's having a conversation with his disciples. And this is significant. This is some of the last words that Jesus is saying to his disciples and they're incredibly profound truths. So these, these are not just mere parables or metaphors. This isn't a poem. This is jam-packed, multi-layered allegory filled with purpose and filled with promise that if we don't take just a little bit of time this morning to fully unpack, to understand, you're going to miss so much of what Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples. So it's important that you, you understand it both like as they would hear it, but also both of how he's intending for them to apply it. And so we're, we're going to spend a little bit of time un, unpacking a lot of these uh, multi-layered truths together. One of those truths is in the very beginning opening lines when he says, I am. Let's just stop right there. What is Jesus saying when he is saying, I am? Jesus is speaking to both his identity, his nature, who he is, and then he further unpacks it in revealing his mission. But first, his identity. This is the seventh I am statement that Jesus mentions through in the gospel of John. There are seven I am statements. But before we look at that, there's another I am statement that was referenced even prior to this. Can you remember where this I am statement was referenced? In Exodus, Exodus chapter three. This is the burning bush where we, for the first time here, I am. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to Israel. I am has sent you. Jesus is the only one that can say, I am. We may say to Travis Hunter, he is him, but we can only say of one person, I am. That's Jesus. I, so, but what, but who are you? I am. I am infinite. I am eternal. I am a mystery. I am life. I am breath. I am creator. I am the, the mysteries you could never understand. I am. Just in the word saying I am causes us to pause and go, 
What does that mean? I am? That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I am. And then through the gospel of John, he unpacks this revelation and his divine nature through a series of I am statements. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the gate that the sheep go through. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, as we studied last weekend, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then today is the seventh I am statement, whereas he says, I am the vine. Not just the vine. I'm, the message translation says, I'm the real one. I'm the, I'm the real vine. I'm the genuine vine. I'm the true vine. I'm the only vine. As I said before, this is a allegory and it has many layers and many different facets to it. And so before we even get to unpacking the text fully, let's unpack some of the parts of the allegory that Jesus is mentioning here. The first, he says, I am the vine. I am the true vine. The vine in this passage, anytime we reference the vine, we're referring to Jesus. The source of all life, love, power, peace, and authority in our lives. Jesus is the vine. Next, we see the vine dresser. The vine dresser also in some other translations is referred to as the gardener, uh, the one that prunes. This is God, the father. God uh, in his sovereignty is the one that prunes the garden, both cutting off and, and casting away. Uh, you might say like removing or separating and also trimming back to produce more fruit, pruning uh, to keep healthy and to produce better and more fruit but he is the vine dresser. If you look throughout all of scripture, you're going to see uh, three references to a vineyard. Now hang with me. The first is a reference to the, the past vineyard. Can anybody guess what that is? Israel. Israel is the past vineyard. And this is uh, used as a symbol of Israel. Now it was uh, the vine, but what we see is that it didn't produce Fruits of righteousness actually produced grapes. It was disobedient. It disregarded God. And as a result, it experienced God's judgment. This is the previous vineyard. But then also when you study, that's, that's, that's kind of the beginning in the OT. Let's go back to the end of the NT. And that's in Revelations. We see that there's what's referred to as the vineyard of the earth. This is a, a, part, this is a, a vine that's referred to in a letter, in a letter uh, to Ephesus, as referring to uh, the source of the earth, man, humanity, sin. These are people that are detached from the one true vine that are choosing their own path, their own way. And it says that they will be cut off and experience God's divine wrath and his divine judgment in the end times. This is Revelations chapter uh, 14, verse 18. If you want to go and study those passages, but you have a past vine and then you have a, a future vine. That's the earth fully cut off from God that will experience God's wrath. But then here we see the present vine, the present vine, our today vine is Jesus. 
and the vine dresser is God the Father. This is our source for today and our experience for today. Then we see the branches. So we have the vine. Imagine kind of a vine working up the trellis. The vine is Jesus. The gardener is God the Father. And then you have branches off of the vine. The branches are who? Us. The branches are the believers, the the true believers in Christ. And so what you have to understand, Jesus is having this conversation. He makes a reference to like, you are already clean. We studied that in verse 13. And so what I want you to see is that this passage is not a passage to believers and non-believers. This is a passage of him talking to his believers. And he, he, re- he says it again in the passage where he says, you are, are, you are already clean. This is a passage speaking directly to believers. So if you're a believer in the house today, lean in. This passage is for you. And all of the details and nuance of it is also for you. Branches connecting to the source, um, not connecting to the source in communion and in fellowship and relationship. He speaks that they're cut off, removed and cast away and, and into the fire. This is not talking about the lake of fire. This is not talking about hell. Again, this is a passage for believers. This is not a passage on whether or not uh, God holds you in eternal security of salvation. That's a different message for a different time, but that's not what this text is referring to. Um, next, we see the fruit. So there's the vine, the vine dresser, there's the branches. And then as a result of being connected in fellowship and loving intimacy with Jesus, remaining in and abiding into the vine, the branches as a result of the connection to the source, do what? They bear fruit and they produce fruit. The fruit is the result, or you might say the evidence of being connected to the source. Now, in a lot of Christian tradition or in a lot of uh, religious legalistic background, you may have grown up in an understanding that it was kind of the reverse, that you, you work hard to get the fruit so that you can have a relationship with Jesus. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard to bear fruit, bear fruit, go work, hustle. Because I really want intimacy with the Father. And the more I hustle, the more intimacy I have. What you actually find in this story is that it actually drives you from the Father. That the hustle and the work and the the bearing, the act of like, I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to work. That actually becomes your God. That like bearing fruit is your God. But what the Bible teaches is actually that as you have holy communion and loving intimacy and relationship with Jesus, that the result of that is bearing fruit. Not that you don't work for it, which we're going to unpack in just a second. Not that it's not like an intentional action. I mean, you know, nothing happens organically, uh, you know, organically it will die, but like it's, it's intentional, it's disciplined, but it's as a result of being connected to Jesus. He's the one that breathes life into every good work that you have. He is the nutrients by which you can bear anything good in your life. This is the fruit as a result or evidence of being connected to the vine. There are seven types of fruit referenced in the Bible. Uh, Don't have time to unpack each of them, but for for future study, I will will give them to you. Uh, You have the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5. The fruit of prayer, uh, this is John 15. The fruit of praise, Hebrews 13, 15. Uh, You have the fruit of evangelism. Oftentimes, this is the one that we think of when we talk about going to bear fruit because because you're thinking of like 
the harvest, the harvest, reap, reap. This is one of, one of the fruits of evan, uh, the spirit is evangelism. Romans 1, 13. Five, you have the fruit of holiness and obedience. Romans 6, 22. The fruit of giving and generosity. Romans 15, 28. And then you have the fruit of good deeds. And that's Colossians 1, 10. If you wrote all that down that fast, then praise the Lord. That is for future study. Fruits of the Spirit. I will send these to you if you ever want to dive into them. Oh my gosh, look at the team. You guys are amazing. Yeah, you can leave that up there. But for uh, the passage references, I can give those to you if you would like to study the fruits of the Spirit. Highly encourage it. These are the evidences or the result of those that are following Jesus. And so what, what we're seeing here in scripture is, is if, if none of these fruits have ever been a part of your life, I'm not talking about seasonal, like, you know, I'm in a season of dry. I'm not talking about like, I'm not bearing all of those things right now. What I'm talking about is if none of these fruits have been present in your life, then I think that it's time to have a real long look at your relationship and your personal belief in God to say, have I truly put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ or has it been superficial? Have I experienced the fruits of the spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, endurance, self-control? Have I, have I, have I been fervent in prayer? Has, has his praise ever been on my lips? Have I ever shared my faith with somebody before? Do I have conviction for holy living? Is the spirit present in my life? And if the answer is no, then in a, in a minute, I'm gonna give you an invitation to say, Make Jesus Lord of your life today and experience this transformative power of the Spirit in your life so that you can experience these fruits. It says in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. Don't get tired in doing good for in time you will reap. Don't give up. When you are connected to the source, you are producing fruit. When you're grafted into the vine, you are growing in his grace. And when you believe fully that he is who he says he is, you are receiving abundantly from the source. All right, that's the introduction. Let's get to the message. All right, we're going to move through it fast. Here we go. Uh, the title of today's message is Remain in the Vine. This is the key idea. This is the key principle. Remain in the vine. Remain in the vine. Remain in the vine. Uh, the, the, here are three ways that you can remain in the vine and experience the result uh, of joy in your life and the fruits in your life. Number one, embrace pruning. I put embrace pruning Another an more honest point would probably be endure pruning. But, you know, that's <clears throat> it's kind of a negative spin on it. Let's put a positive spin on it and say, let's embrace the pruning uh, that God has for us in our lives because it is truly a benefit. It says, verse 2, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that he produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Wait, even when things are going good, God still cuts even when I am bearing fruit, God still prunes. There's still trials. There's still tribulations. There's still challenges. Yes, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. <clears throat> God cuts away what we don't need so that we can 
be what he needs us to be. Cuts away pride, cuts away lust, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition. God also prunes so that we can produce more. It's impossible to produce more apart from the pruning of God. That's why I say, let's embrace the pruning, not just endure it, because it means that if, if you are producing fruit and you're experiencing pruning in your life, it means that there is more in store. Hallelujah. Yes, God. I may not necessarily want to embrace it in this moment, but I know that if this is what you have for me, let your will be done. I, I, I want to I be a part of a bigger work of what you're doing in the kingdom of God. Uh, another reality of the pruning process of God the Father is that God alone, as the sovereign gardener, has the bigger vision in mind for your life and your story. Let us remind you, we're the branch. He's the gardener. Whenever I see a branch on one of the plants in my house, I'm not like, wow, look at the power that you have. <laughs> man, I bet you can, man, you have full vision of what my hopes are for your plant. It's a branch. It has a function, but it doesn't know the bigger story. God, though, knows the bigger vision. And that's why whenever the gardener is pruning in our lives, he's cutting away, he's refining like fire things in our lives. We can embrace it wholeheartedly because we can say, we know the character and nature of God and he's good. He has good plans for me. So I will take heart in deserts and gardens. I, I, he has good plans for me. And we can trust the plans of the Gardener, the sovereign gardener. There's two types of pruning. Uh, we have removing and we have pruning. In Boulder, back in 2008, they did a massive removal of a lot of trees in our city. I mean, hundreds of trees, huge. You can go read about it. And there was a statement uh, that one of the arborists made about the trees that I was like, wow, is this not true of our life as well? Let's see uh, what uh, the forestry manager, Kathleen Alexander said. We've identified five trees that have several, uh, severely declined in health due to restricted root zones and thus pose a public safety hazard if they, not pr if they aren't pruned or removed. All the trees removed will be replaced in the spring with a new species to create better trees, species and diversity for the downtown area. I love how they said that these trees have to be removed due, due to health conditions and because uh, the roots were unhealthy. And it's a public safety hazard. So why would God cut, throw away? Why would God remove? Maybe we're a public safety hazard. Maybe we're a spiritual safety hazard. And God's saying, oh, that, that's got to be cut from your life. Or for some of you, God's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, you know, it's like, hey, we gotta, this is not Mr. Miyagi over here. I mean, he's got the, so, I mean, I'm speaking to myself here, speaking to myself. But the root systems, when the root systems get affected, it starts to permeate the rest of the tree and it begins to wither. You see parts of it start to die. And in that case, sometimes in the worst case scenarios, the only thing that's left is to just completely cut it down to a stump. We had a fig tree that somebody gave to us. And it, I love this fig tree. It is a special fig tree. It was given to us during a, a really difficult time or, you know, we lost a loved one and somebody gifted us with this thing and it grew to be really, really big. How many of you love the fig? You know, it's an incredible tree. 
Yeah, wow. A lot, of, a lot of big fig people in the house. Okay, the fig hands are coming up. All right, good, big fig people. Hey, go figure. Hey, so this thing grew big and beautiful, but then when we started doing uh, demolition in our house, dust was flying everywhere, doing a massive home rent renovation. We were moving this plant around what felt like every other day. No, it's too big. Let's move over here. It ended up in kind of this little dusty corner in the dry room. And, and it, it, little by little, you start to see brown edges. You start to see this thing falling apart. So much so that I was like, I, I don't, and my wife loves this tree. I was like, I don't know that we're getting this thing back. And I was devastated. I'm like, this tree has meaning. It's just special tree. I come home one day and that thing is a nub. And I'm like, what did you do to our tree? You killed our tree. She said, no, I'm saving it. She had to cut it all the way down to a stump to save it. Now, I'm happy to report it is a big, beautiful, flourishing fig again. It is back, baby, and better than ever. Greener and more alive than it's ever been. But the same reality is true of our life. The pruning isn't to destroy your life, but to save it. The sanctification, the refining, the cutting back is not to destroy you. It's to save you. It's to bring about true life for you. So you have uh, removing the separation. Then you have the pruning. You have the, the cutting back, trimming off what is necessary. Uh, it's not, it's, in the passage, it's not only trimming off what is necessary for more fruit, because that's what he said in the, in the scripture of pruning. It's more and better and offer his glory. God cares about both the quality, quantity and his glory in the process of your life. And the pruning gives all of that. That's why it's not just endure the pruning, but embrace the pruning. Is there a, a time in your life that you have experienced God's pruning? Are you in the middle of God's pruning right now? Wow. In one accord. Uh, yes. You know, like it sounds like it's a general theme of life. Well, amen. Good. Hallelujah. What if instead of saying like, man, why, why is this happening to me? Why am I experiencing God? Why God? What if we said, God, if this is your will, teach me what I need to know. Teach me what I need to learn. I jotted down some experiences for me because how much, how many of you know, like it's always awesome to come on stage and just kind of reveal, you know, your vulnerabilities and shortcomings in life. So why not? Why not? Uh, so I, I cataloged a few. I could be here all day and all night on the pruning of my life. Uh, but there was a season where we struggled to get pregnant, tried everything, uh, doctors, everything like that. And there was a moment in my life where I was just like, is, I don't know. And I got mad. There was a season where I got mad about it, where I was sad about it, where I was questioning God. And then it finally got to the point in my life where I was like, you know what? I trust you. I trust you. And if this is our story, God, like my, my number one desire is just to be a dad, man. I, I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. Like I want to be married. I want to be a dad. And my family is like it for me. Like I'm a huge family fan. You know, it's, it's, they're my life, man. I love them. And I was like, but, but like, if, if I'm not going to be able to have kids, maybe, maybe that's it. I was like, God, you know what? I was like, I remember exactly where I was. And I remember praying this prayer, but I was like, God, I trust you. Your plans are good. And if this is my story, I'll still praise you. You still have my life. Man, was that not pruning? Chipping away like, 
What if, what if, what if I would have in the perfect moment, the perfect time, the perfect family, you know, what if I hadn't trusted God with my kids? What if I, what if I hadn't have known that level of dependence on him, but it was a pruning that drew my heart closer to God to say, I trust you more. And hallelujah, God gave us many babies. Hallelujah. <laughs> Doubting my calling. There's been countless times where I've doubted my calling for God. And I'm just like, man, it feels so light here. Or that life looks so much more comfortable. Or yes, I would love to be doing that other thing. And God's like, no, I've called you to this. And there've been times I've wrestled with God in that. And he's had to prune that, that comfort and that part of me away to the point where I've just said, finally, God, okay, I submit to your calling on my life. He's pruning away my doubts. He's pruning away my struggles. He's pruning away my, my, my fears and my questionings so that he can draw me into a deeper loving relationship with him so that I might bear more fruit. This is God's divine grace on my life. Um, then we have, uh, two, we have remain, abide in Christ. Verse four says, remain in me and I in you. Remain in me. I jotted down these ideas of the idea of remain, but you can live on your own, but there's no life outside of him. You can live on your own, but there's no true life outside of Jesus. You can strive in your own effort, but you cannot produce fruit apart from him. You can strive and you can produce something. How many of you know uh, a fake tree can look a lot like a real one? But one thing a fake tree cannot do is produce fruit. You can do life on your own terms, but then you must face God's divine judgment. I was thinking about this. I was like, what, I mean, what would, be, what would be a very practical way that God would, would judge somebody and I, that is out of fellowship with him? And it's God giving you what you want. That's a terrifying judgment. God's saying, oh, you, you want to go? Okay, you go. No, 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 no. Prune me, God. Prune me, prune me so that I might be more refined, more holy, more like you, bearing more fruit. Don't, don't leave me to my own devices. I know where that leads. I've been down that road and it's destruction every time. It's death every time. It's not true life and it's not bearing fruit. I have uh, a drill here. You're probably wondering why I brought this thing up. <clears throat> I mean, everybody knows when you pick up a drill. So um, remain in me. This is a very, very, very practical illustration. <clears throat> Drills come in two parts. You have power source, you have this. How, how useful is this drill with no battery? I mean, I was even like, just as of illustration, trying to like screw something in at the house just to see like if it was actually useful. And it is incredibly inconvenient. <laughs> like it's not even a good screwdriver. It's like, it's like, and, and I, I, I go through a lot of these guys. And I'll tell you, when it's time to retire the drill, is when the battery's done. Because it becomes disconnected. I don't give it to a friend and say, hey, my drill, you know, died. No, no, no. It, because it's not useful. But when it's connected, it's incredibly useful. And you can bear a lot of fruit and build a lot of things. 
in practical, a lot of people say, God, I trust you. I believe in you. And then they live their life like this. Having never experienced the fruit of God, the joy of God, having never truly lived the abundant life that God has called you to live because you are not staying in holy communion, in fellowship and in intimacy with the father. So you live your life like this and you wonder, man, why, why am I not bearing fruit in my life? This is the intentional part of the remaining in God. Take, for example, your relationships, husbands. If you never talked to your wife, would you have a good relationship? Absolutely not. If, if you never took your wife out on dates, tried to love her well, would you have intimacy with your spouse? Absolutely not. Or what about any other relationship with your life? If you're like, man, that's my best friend. When was the last time you talked? It's probably been 20 years. What? You know, they could have like a full on family by now. You, you don't even know what's going on in their life. You, you, Cause you're disconnected. So it does take a lot of intentionality in relationship to be connected to the source. And our relationship with God is no different is that it does take intentionality in remaining in worship to him, studying his word. How do you mean, how do you know that worship, reading the Bible and prayer is like us going on a walk together, having a conversation and going to a concert and singing together. It's like, Hey, we're like in fellowship together. We're in communion together. So whenever I say like the reading of the word and prayer, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. This is like, you engaging in a loving relationship with an infinite and holy God. It's not just a spiritual discipline. It's not just a holy habit. It's you like, I want to know you. In, in the study for even this week, I was, I always read the chapter that I'm preaching on. I think it's a good <laughs> habit, but I mean, like I, <laughs> I, I, I study and then I come up here and wing it. No, I, I, I read the text a lot over and over. I just want to internalize the text, internalize the text. And even in this week for me, there was one day where I was just reading the text and I was just so just wrapped up in just hearing from God. And as I was hearing his word, talking to him, I, I, I read a lot. I listen to a lot of scripture. I'm a very audible learner. And I was just like, all of a sudden with, as if time stood still, I was already towards the end of the New Testament just because I was just like, this fellowship has been so sweet. Like this time with you, God has been just so nourishing for my soul. Like I would, there was times that I was smiling as I was listening times where I was getting teary eyed, where I was listening like, wow, God did that for me. What? He loves me that much. Or you go through acts and you're like, man, I get to participate in the same Miracles that they participate in? Like, wow, like this is amazing. It's like going on a long date with somebody you love and then just getting entrenched in the conversation and you're like, wow, where did the time go? We got to go back. This babysitter's costing a fortune. <laughs> but with Jesus, you know, you can just stay there all day. It's fine. Costs you nothing but, you know, your life. But this is, some people try to produce on fruit on their own effort, but it is futile. And scripture teaches it's impossible. So much so that it literally says you can do nothing on your own effort. Nothing, nothing. 
We abide in Christ. When we abide in Christ, our prayers are effective. This is all from the text. Our prayers are effective. We glorify him as we bear fruit. We demonstrate our discipleship and then our joy is made full and complete. And then finally, we, we love and obey his word. Love is a, uh, love is a theme in this text. Uh, he reiterates it uh, in verses eight, nine. My father is glorified in this. He promotes for, uh, Produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples as the Father has loved me. I also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Love is a central theme to this idea. It's also a fruit of the Spirit. To know God is to know his love. To know God is to experience his love. And to experience his love is to show that love towards others. Um, Obedience is critical. Not because of guilt or shame. Not because uh, I I have to mentality and I have to mentality, but because you get to. Because you understand what it means that he loves you and you understand what it means that you get to serve him by offering your full surrender and obedience to him. I I don't want my kids to obey me because they have to. I want my kids to obey me because they know how much I love them. I know how much they love me. And as a result, they say, Dad, yeah, whatever you tell me, I'll do it. Do you remember a time, the word remain here, this, this is critical and I don't want you to leave thinking, okay, I got I to gotta go do something. I leave here and I, I got to go bear fruit. I got to go work. The critical idea of this text is to remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. And this should be an exhale for all of us in the room. That feels like you've been striving, feels like you've been working, trying to impress God, trying to give good works. This should be an exhale in the room to say like, I can rest. Oh, I got to, God, I just just want to abide in you. In contrast, Has there ever been times in your life where you felt like you've been doing all of the wrong things, but yet not experiencing the fruit? Other times you're leaning into a relationship with God, personal relationship with him, and things are just happening in your life. Miracles, prayers being answered. You're like, man, I've been praying for that for years, but, but it's just now happening. Prayers are effective. Our joy is complete and God is glorified when we just abide, when we rest, when we love, when we love him. Do you remember a time that you felt intimate with him? If you, if, if you would, just, just close your eyes for just a second, just a second, just close your eyes and take just, just 10 seconds and just remember a time where, where you felt intimate, with Jesus. Just remember the time where you felt grafted into the vine and holy communion with him and fellowship where you're going on a walk. Maybe it was a hike. Maybe it was a sunset. Maybe it was a time in his word. Maybe it was one time when you fell on your knees in the altar. Maybe it was a time of worship. Man, what is Jesus trying to communicate to his disciples? Hey, when I leave and when I'm gone, don't just go work for me. 
but continue to pursue love relationship with me. And as a result, I will bear fruit in your life. Don't neglect me. Maybe today as you hear this, uh, you can keep your head bowed, eyes closed. Maybe today this is, this is a callback for you to come back to that intimate love relationship with the Holy God. That this is this, this imagery, this beautiful picture being grafted in to the vine. Maybe today you can just say, Jesus, I have kind of drifted. I have been in negative conditions, uh, not conducive to personal health and personal growth in my life. I have neglected your word. I have neglected prayer. I have neglected intimacy. But today, Father, I am back in. I want to sit with you. I want to walk with you. I want to have a personal relationship with you. Or maybe you're in, um, in church today and you're thinking, you know, I am in the middle of a season of pruning and I'm pruning and I've had the wrong attitude about it. I've, I've honestly been thinking, like, I don't deserve this. Or why me? But what if instead we said, God, whatever needs to be removed, have your way. Prune, refine me like fire. Cut away any impurity and perfection, Jesus. Sanctify my life, set apart, cut away anything that is not of you so that I may produce not only more, but better and more lasting fruit in my life. I want to be both faithful and fruitful. I want to be faithful to you, and I want to be fruitful. Warren Wearsby says it this way. He says, we have uh, the privilege of abiding in God, and we have the responsibility of being fruitful. So may we recognize that privilege and that responsibility. I want to read this. If you would, go ahead, stand to your feet. I want to read you this uh, quote from Warren Wearsby. He says, our union with Christ is a living union so that we may bear fruit, a loving union so that we may enjoy him, and a lasting union so that we need not be afraid. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.